And when is he good? When? All of the time. Let's praise God for this wonderful music department, Dr. Judith McAllister. And, you know, I slipped out a moment ago because I just had to get a selfie with the 98-year-old praise dancer. <laughs> they were simply incredible. My mother's 92 now, and so I'm at the teller. You can do it from the chair, Mom. Amen. God is good. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your kindness, for your mercy. Thank you for this wonderful leader, for this open door, for these people that are anxious to hear a word from you. I pray that you will touch me, that God, you will use me even in my frailness, that I might communicate the gospel, that I might say something that will push them towards promise. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Before you sit down, turn to about two people and tell them you're in the right place at the right time. That's right. Tell them you're in the right place at the right time. Hallelujah. God is good. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you. I am so honored to be here with my leader. Bishop Blake is my leader. Amen. And what a awesome stellar leader that he is and I know I'm preaching to the choir because you already know this before I minister the word of course I want to thank God for those that came with me my son again uh, my wife is not here and I'm in trouble because five or six people have asked me where is she uh, hopefully maybe she's watching I know we're in service now we have four services on Sunday and I'm tired uh, but I'm thankful I guess I would have preached maybe two or three times by now but I'm sure maybe they're watching, but love you, Melody. And my youngest son is here, Bryson, of course, and my oldest son will be back at some other time. He couldn't do it. He's too busy now. He just graduated, well, at 17 from Morehouse and started his own business and doing well. My music director, Jason St. Clair, is with us on today. Thank you, Jason, for coming. And certainly to our chairman of our pastors and elders council, uh, Chairman Calhoun, his first time at West Day, I wanted to expose him to something amazing, and that's you. Amen. I wanted to read a verse before I minister the word that is descriptive of someone here, if I might do this. It is St. John chapter 3, verse 2. It says, The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. This is a verse that to me is indicative of Bishop Blake. Because no man can do what he's doing unless God be with him. Amen. Come on, let's thank God for amazing leadership. Thank you, Bishop. I know how it is. In local churches, sometimes y'all join the church, but you don't join everything else the pastor does. And he is an integral part of the Church of God in Christ. He is our national, worldwide, international leader. And he's done some amazing things within the Church of God in Christ. And even in Memphis, Tennessee, on the campus there at Mason Temple, which is historical, the, last, the place where Dr. King gave his last speech, Bishop Blake has just totally renovated that whole campus and recently uh, allowed uh, about 74, 76 units of housing to be built 
for those who are less fortunate. I mean amazing stuff. Amen. And I'm thankful for his leadership. Every time I'm around him, I learn something. You know, you got to pay attention. And if you pay attention, one day people will pay you for your attention. Amen, somebody? He's a great teacher, great preacher. I want you to do me a favor, though. I'm going to ask you to do something for me. I know you perhaps sent him away before, but I want you to send him away this time with another intent. I want Bishop to write some books and leave them for our, our young people, our others, and so on. Send him away to an island and give him some ice water and key lime pie. And he'll stay until all the pie is gone. And let him write, write, write. Every time he preaches, I get about six sermons out of his sermon. Amen. And he thinks I'm just saying something to him, but I really mean it because he's an amazing man of God and has a true word in his mouth. So I know why you're here. You're here because God has favored you with great leadership. One more time. Thank God for Bishop Blake. What can we say about Lady May? Amen. Who is an amazing example for first uh, for first ladies and wives of ministers all over the world. And we thank God for you, Lady May, and all that you do. Melody sends her love. She loves you dearly as well. God is good. Amen. Certainly keep us all in prayer. And in Memphis, I was just sharing with an uncle of mine who's my father's brother. His name is David Porter. He just opened up a studio here in, in Los Angeles. He wrote the song, I'm a soul man. Hold on, I'm coming. Hang on, Snoopy, hang on. You don't know that because you sanctified. You don't know that stuff. But uh, send his regards, Bishop. He said he's coming by to visit you real soon. Amen. I want to go to the word of the Lord and share with you this morning. I believe God has given me a word to share with you. Good to see Romel. Love you, buddy. And Arnie List. God bless you. Wave your hand, Arnie. I call him the shouting, the dancing Catholic. About five or six years ago, I think it was, I was here and Bishop had me here in revival. And Arnie came on that Sunday night at the North Campus and he had this incurable uh, liver or kidney, kidney disease, and God healed him that night. That night. And he's here to wave your hand, Arnie. He's here. Amen. We've stayed in touch with one another. Love you, brother. God bless you, man. Let's go to the word of the Lord. Genesis chapter 22. Will you pray for me? Thank you so very much. Look forward to being here with you now and also in the 11 o'clock service. So if you don't get enough in this service, come back for the 11 o'clock service, right? And keep praying for me because I've got to go and preach for Superintendent Anthony Williams at 3 o'clock at his pastor appreciation service today. Amen. Genesis chapter 22, when you get it, shout amen. <clears throat> if you don't have it, say, hold on just a minute, Bishop. You're going to have to hurry up, though. Genesis 22, let's look if we could at verses 6 through 8. When you get it, say amen. And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went both of them, how? Together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here am I, my son. Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb 
for a burnt offering. So what happened? They went both of them how? Together. Say that. They went both of them together. Father, give you thanks and pray cause increase and we see this truth and a touch by it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. There are so many things in life that we have to be willing to pursue. Nothing comes easy. I heard someone say once there's nothing uh, hard. It's really just the trained and the untrained. But you have to adapt to procedures in order to get what God has for you. I want to speak to your hearts and your minds and even your ambitions and your goals today and push you towards promise by sharing with you the need to seek God because there comes answers in the climb. Say that, answers in the climb. Here in this passage, we'll see a young lad asking his father a question while they're climbing the mountain. And he asked him, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And so many times in life, while we're journeying, we'll get what God has for us. Say that, while I'm journeying, I'll get what God has for me. There are two kinds of people in the world, those that believe and those that don't believe. Say that, those that believe and those that don't believe. And the results are apparent based on your association, whether you believe or that you don't believe. It is different out here in the real world. Most of the good things that happen in life happen for those who don't give up. Amen? Say that, Lord, help me not to give up. A friend of mine who's a sports agent, his name is Chris Lucci out of Atlanta, he was talking to some of my young men at the church and athletes, and he said unto them concerning basketball, he said, basketball is all about confidence. Say that, it's all about confidence. But here's my definition. Confidence is the act of believing that gets you more time in the game. Say that, confidence is the act of believing that gets you more time in the game. In other words, you have to learn to believe in yourself. Amen, somebody. Say that, I believe in myself. As a matter of fact, you should tell yourself you look good before you leave the house. You shouldn't wait on someone else to compliment you, right? Amen. When somebody says, you look good, Bishop, I said, there ain't no accident. I worked hard to do this. Right? Self-confidence is necessary for us in life. We often look at people's success, though, and neglect the fact that most people who succeed have been trying to do it for a mighty long time. It's not overnight successes that we enjoy, but it's putting time in that situation. So most success stories come from, here it is, spending time in the climb. Say that, spending time in the climb. See, people know your story, but they don't know your situations. They know your success, but they don't know your struggle, right? Is that right? And so sometimes we misjudge people because we don't understand what they had to go through to get where they are. Can I get a witness in here? Help me shout process. Come on, say it, process. And that's what this climb is all about. It is about the process. Luke 17, verses 11 through 14 says, And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, verse 12, and as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off, verse 13. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, 
Master, have mercy on us. And they had to lift up their voices because they had leprosy and they weren't allowed within so many feet or yards of various people, right? So they had to shout loud. And when you have difficult situations, sometimes you got to be louder in the bunch. Verse 14, and when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Did you hear that? As they went, they were cleansed. Sometimes you can't just stand still and wait on something to happen. You got to start moving. I need you to touch two people and say, keep it moving, keep it moving. So here's a story about 10 lepers who were asking to be healed. And all Jesus did, here it is, is give them a word of faith. Hallelujah. Sometimes, beloveds, that's all we need is an encouraging word of faith. And the word was go and show. Go and show. And sometimes the devil will make you think that you have nothing to show, that there's nothing else to see. But how many of you know that's a lie from the enemy? There's always something else that God can do. I don't care how dark or dismal your situation looks, God is not through blessing you. Say that God is not through blessing me. So the challenge for us, no matter what our circumstances are, is look again. The Bible says all things work what? Together for the good of them that love God who are called according to his purpose. In every situation I go through in life, I try to find God in it. Because if he loves me and I love him, he's somewhere in that situation. The scripture says that they, as they went, they were healed. Therefore, obedience becomes the prerequisite to progress. Obedience becomes the prerequisite to progress. Now, I'm taking my time because they said the 8 o'clock was the smartest group. Amen. <laughs> obedience... <laughs> becomes the pre don't act like you don't get it though now because I'm gonna have to <laughs> obedience becomes the prerequisite to progress so there are many hidden treasures that have had to push through the crust of challenge think of the flower who has its process to push through the earth push through push through being pushed down and submerged in the earth and then water and mud on top of it people trampling all over it and still the flower has to progress through the crust of the earth and come out smelling like a rose. I want you to tell somebody, I don't look like what I've been through. You may be in a bad situation, but you don't have to look like it. You may be broke, but don't look like it. Amen, somebody. Act like something's about to happen in your life, right? Call those things that be not as they were. Shout amen, somebody. So there's going to be glory after whatever the struggle is in your life. There's going to be glory. Help me shout glory. glory. Say it again, glory. glory. That word glory has to do with God put your weight on it. It's really an invitation to God. It's the self-manifestation of the invisible nature of a thing. Whenever you shout glory, you're saying, God, put your weight on it. Show up in a big way, in other words. Amen? So there shall be glory after your struggle. Well, Abraham had, who we're talking about, he's our main character today, had a very interesting life in that he was challenged to trust God even when he could not trace God. Did you hear me? Amen. And as we walk by faith, trust is required on the front end. You got to believe that God is, amen, and that he's a rewarder of them that what diligently seek 
him. Amen? How many know God can do anything? If he can do anything, he can do what? Everything. Is that right? In Genesis chapter 12, and I'll just share with you this story a little bit here, verses 1 through 4 perhaps. Now the Lord said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country. I want you to hear this clearly. And from thy kindred. Do what? Get out of your what? Country and from your kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will do what? Show thee. And I will make thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great. Look at the promises he says to Abraham if he leaves his family and kindred, right? I will make thee a great nation and thou shalt be a blessing. Verse 3, and I will bless them that bless thee and I will curse them that curse of thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Verse 4, so Abram departed and the Lord, as the Lord had spoken unto him, look at the rest, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 70 and five years old when he departed out of Haran. What do you see that's a problem? Verse 4, and Lot went with him. Hold on. He just told him, leave all your kinfolk. Everybody that looks like you, he said, don't take them with you. But the Bible says, and Lot went with him. Now, that's a whole other sermon. I'll come back sometime when Bishop invites me to preach that. Because some people don't know how to handle a lot. Amen, somebody. How many know you got some family members that are a lot? <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, I need you to stop being a lot now, okay? In other words, you kind of too much. <laughs> Amen, somebody. So, and Lot went with him, which caused all kinds of problems in his journey. Because God had already told him, leave everybody behind that's going to speak cynical things in your life. And you got to know how to separate yourself when others won't separate from you. You got to say stuff like this. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we absent one from another. Say amen, somebody. Know how to cut some things loose. And when God takes people out of your life, quit looking for them. Say amen, somebody. Some of you ladies needed Leroy to leave you. God already knew that Leroy was troubled. And it's amazing how how everybody can tell you when someone's no good for you, but you don't believe it. I mean, your grandmother told you, your mother told you, your uncle Ben told you. Even your dog don't bark at nobody, but when Leroy came around, he Even the dog tried to tell you. Say amen, somebody. Abraham was challenged to leave home, watch this, and go somewhere God says, I will show you, oh Jesus. That's faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Have you ever been there where God says, I want you to do something, but I'm not going to give you the details, just start. Get on the journey. That's when you believe him and you take him at his word, amen? Again, Hebrews 11 and 6 says, but without faith it is impossible, not highly improbable, but impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder. How many know God can do whatever you need done? So therefore, you don't fret. You don't worry. You don't lose your mind. You don't want to jump off the balcony. Because you know God can fix this situation in your life. Let me move quickly. Because I want you to see this. In the story of Abraham, I love this story. Abraham was married to a girl named Sarah. She's pretty like Lady May. Amen. She was so pretty that he was afraid that somebody would kill him for her. I'm praying for you, Bishop. 
Amen. <laughs> so, so he was married to this beautiful lady, and they were promised a child, okay? They'd been trying, though, to have children for many years, over 40 years, and no success. And so later in life, she's now 65, he's 75, and she's considered barren, and he's getting old. That's a bad combination, amen? Talking about children, say amen, somebody. So yet they will believe in God because God speaks to him and says to him that you're still going to have a child. But what happened is Sarah got involved. Remember, remember Abraham has a modus operandi, and that is taking God at his word. But Sarah says, honey, let me help you. God ain't talking about me this time. <clears throat> I have a maiden, an African girl. Her name is Hagar. I'll let you marry her and have a child by her. And that's the first case of surrogate parenting. You got me? And so, for some reason, Abraham agrees. I don't know why. You know, she was young, right? And he agreed. And so, Sarah was like, look, I know God said this, but my kitchen is closed and you need to eat out. Amen, somebody. So, uh, so here it is now. <laughs> you are the 8 o'clock crowd. I see you now. Amen. So, here it is now. She opens this door for Hagar to come in her house. Hagar comes in, now there's a fight in the house because she wants Hagar gone because two ladies can't handle the same kitchen. Say amen, somebody. But she later repents to Abraham in Genesis 16 and 5, and she says that I'm the one that caused this to happen because I didn't believe what God was trying to do. There's a sermon I preach entitled, How Did Hagar Get in My House? Amen, somebody. She came by invitation. So be careful, ladies. Be, please be careful. Because sometimes when you're saying scat, somebody else is saying kitty, kitty. Oh, boy. This ain't men's day yet, is it? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Get me out of this one, Bishop. Amen. She came by invitation. Say that she came by invitation. Well, here's the thing you got to understand is that it took them 25 years for the child to be born. They had another child, his name was Ishmael, that was with he and Hagar, right? And that name means whom God hears. God still had to bless that child because it was his seed. But they had to continue to believe for the promised child, whose name was Isaac. Somebody shout Isaac. Isaac means laughter. Maybe they looked at each other being as old as they were. He was 100, she was 90, and it just had to be a funny moment, amen? So they named the child Isaac. And the Bible says... That, of course, now God is challenging him at a whole nother level in dimension of life. Let me tell you something. It wouldn't have taken God 25 years if they had not tried to mess up the process. Sometimes the reason what you want is taking so long is you didn't wait on God. You started doing your own thing. Amen, somebody. Help me say there are answers in the climb. As you continue to go, Hallelujah. In the direction that God has you to go, you will see what God wants you to see. Amen? Is that right, somebody? As it is written in Romans chapter 4, Romans 4, 17, as it is written, I've made thee a father of many nations. He gives them all these promises, and he says that Abraham staggered not at the promise in verse 20 of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. So later on, they got a hold to faith, and they believed, right? Because this was not immaculate conception. They believed and they had a child by the name of Isaac. 
But here's the news now. God is still challenging them and challenging their faith. God tells Abraham now, I want you to sacrifice what you've been praying for. See, this will determine whether you love God or not, and that is if you're willing to give up what you wanted. If you're willing to give up what you've been praying for. Here they've been praying and to get a child at 100 years old, and God wakes up Abraham with another vision and says, I want you to take little Isaac and sacrifice him on the mountain. He gets up and he gets his son ready. He gets his hired servants and he doesn't tell his wife because you do understand what Sarah would have said, right? He slips out of the tent, a three-day journey, and he begins to take his son and his servants to the mountain so that they might go to the place that God says, I want you to sacrifice your child. Has there ever been anything so hard that you didn't want to do it that God challenged you to do? But you have to understand that God never tempts you to do wrong. He only tempts you to do right. Amen, somebody. If God tempts you, it's to do something that you can't see the big picture yet. You don't understand why you're going through what you're going through, but look at somebody say it had to happen. You don't know why they had to let you go off the job, but it had to happen. You don't know why they had to lie on you, but it had to happen. God has a way of turning a mess into a miracle. Look at somebody and tell them it had to happen. So when the climb came, he's getting his son, they go to the mountain, and God says, go to a mountain that I will show you. Go to a mountain, I will show you. Go by faith, in other words. And he gets there, and the Bible says that as he gets ready to go, he tells his servants, watch this word of faith. He says, me and my son will be back. Now, God just said, take your son up and do what? And sacrifice him on the mountain. But he says in faith, me and my son will do what? Look at your neighbor and tell him I'm coming back. Me and my son will be back. What was he doing? Calling those things that be not as though they were. You got to know who your God is. How many know that God wants what's best for you? Tell somebody that God wants what's best for you. And you got to know how to talk faith, even in a difficult situation. Quit saying, I'm not feeling good. I don't think I'm going to make it. Don't ever ride in a car with somebody that says, I think I'm going to die today. No, 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 no. We're going to get an Uber today. Amen, somebody. So here's what happens. He gets his son, and they start to climb. And his son is not a baby. He's not an infant. He's able to rationale. He's been to church before. And he's noticed that whenever dad goes to church, he usually has an animal with him something that he can sacrifice. Amen, somebody. I want you to see this. Look at your neighbor and say, you always have something to sacrifice. <clears throat> I was looking around and I saw little Isaac somewhere. He's here. Come here, Isaac. Little Isaac is here. Wow, this is Hollywood. Come here, Isaac. Isaac is here. Amen. Come here, Isaac. Isaac with his father. I'm your daddy today. Forget about that guy over there, okay? Isaac is with his dad and they're climbing the mountain. All right? but he is conscious, he's aware of what happens in church. And they're climbing the mountain. He says, Dad, I see the fire and I see the wood, but pull on my coat, pull on my coat. Come on, act like you've been in rehearsal. Pull on my coat. <laughs> he says, I see the fire and the wood, but where is the what? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. So what are we going to kill, Daddy? What are we going to kill, Daddy? 
What are we going to kill them? Sacrifice. Yeah, right. Oh, he's trying to answer my question. Wow, you're a genius. Amen. So he gets it. Y'all didn't tell me that he was in, you know, the real high classes in school. So here it is. He gets there. He says, Dad, I see the fire and I see the wood, but where is the sacrifice? In other words, what are we going to kill, Daddy? What are we going to burn up? Notice what Abraham says. You got to know how to talk faith to your children. He said, Son, God will provide himself a lamb. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not going to have to do it. But tell them, there's something God's going to do this time. I know your children ask them, Mama, well, how are we going to pay for my school? Tell them, God will provide. How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? Look at somebody and say, God's going to do it. I need you to tell three people, just hold on, God's going to do it. And so he's got little Isaac, and notice something now. Men's Day is coming up, right? But fathers, you've got to... Live a life before your children so that they trust not only you, but they trust your God. He ties up little Isaac and lays him down on the altar. Lay down, Isaac. Lays him down on the altar. That's right. Look at him. He's trusting his daddy. He knows that everything that is laid on that altar ends in a puddle of blood. But he's believing, Hashabah, the faith of his daddy. Look at your neighbor and say, somebody's got to believe in your God. And so here Abraham is, he's remorse. And he's, of course, fearful and frustrated because God challenged him to do something that he doesn't really want to do. And so the Bible says that he had a knife. Y'all got any knives around here? Lord, have mercy, Jesus. What kind of church is this? How did you even get in here with this? Where is security at? So the Bible says that he pulls out a knife. Y'all should see his face right now. <laughs> he pulls out a knife and he begins to pull back the knife because he's trying to obey what God told him to do. And he's crying, tears are coming down his face. Look at somebody and say, sometimes you gotta have to do what you don't wanna do. Sometimes you gotta push yourself beyond your potential or even your comfort zone. But he pulls back the knife and he says, I don't want to do this, but according to your will, God. And he pulls back the knife and gets ready to kill his son. And God says, Abraham, Abraham. He called him twice. Look at somebody say, God called him twice. Now here's what I want you to get, that God called him twice. And that's what we've got to know that sometimes God will call you twice. Look at somebody and say, let him call you twice. See, whenever God calls you twice, he's trying to rescue you. Whenever God calls you twice, he's trying to get your attention. Just like he said, Abraham, Abraham. He also said, Israel, Israel. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He said, Jacob, Jacob. He said, Moses, Moses. He said, Samuel, Samuel. He said, Martha, Martha. He said, Saul, Saul, and even Jesus hanging on the cross said, my God, my God. I need you to tell somebody, hush, hush. Somebody's calling my name. He may be calling your name. He may be calling Charles, Charles. He may be saying magic, magic. Look at somebody say, let him call your name. And so he called his name. He said, stop what you're doing. 
But he says, look over there. Well, where did he want him to look? Over on the other side. Because he said, there's a ram in the bush. In other words, he saved little Isaac. You can go back to your parents now, son. He saved little Isaac. Give him a hand, y'all. He lived through the experience. He saved little Isaac. And the Bible says that he said, look over there. There's a ram in the bush. Look at somebody and say, look over there. In other words, stop giving up. Look over there. Keep on climbing because God's got an answer for you in your difficult situation. Help me say it. Look over there. There's a ram in the bush. Now, here's what I want to know. How did the ram get there? Well, here's what I believe. That's why you can't stop climbing. I heard somebody say, I'm climbing up the what? The rough side of the mountain. Well, help me say that's the best side to climb on because you can't climb the smooth side. You need some rough places in your life to pull up on from your experiences. And so while Abraham was climbing one side of the mountain, I want you to hear this. The ram was climbing the other side of the mountain. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm getting ready to meet my miracle at the top. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, I'm getting ready to meet my miracle at the top. Get somebody by the hand and say, don't stop climbing. Tell them, keep holding on. Keep trusting God because payday is coming after a while. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now here's why you ought to rejoice. Here's why you ought to rejoice. You ought to rejoice because, uh-oh, here it is. You ready for this? Your miracle is older than you. In other words, God had prepared the ram before Isaac was even born. You don't even know it, but God's already got a way out of nowhere already ready for you. Tell your neighbor, whatever you need is waiting on you. Tell them whatever you need from God is already prepared. It's already done. It's already happening. Look at somebody and say, hold on. Tell them, hold on to what God told you. Tell them again, hold on to what God told you. Look at somebody and tell them, neighbor, the Bible says that no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. So shout hallelujah that the best is on the way. I got to close. I said, I got to close. Touch somebody, just say whatever you want to say until I drink this water. I got to close. Get rid of this knife, you're scaring me. But can I tell my story? I'm going to tell my story. Uh, years ago when my sons were very young, my oldest was like six and my youngest was like three. And I noticed that we were having a birthday party for Brandon. His birthday's in February. And so I was looking for Bryson, who's here with me today, and I noticed he wasn't anywhere around. So I'm walking around the house there because the party's going on. I'm like, where's Bryson? And I find him in the corner over there crying. And he's crying and he says, he says, I said, what's wrong, Bryson? He says, all the balloons say Brandon. I'm like, okay. I said, okay. He says, he said, the cake say Brandon. I said, I get it. I, I, now I realize, I said, he's jealous because he doesn't understand that his birthday is coming. 
Then he said, they're giving all the presents to Brandon. I said, hold on, Bryson. I said, it's February, man. Your birthday is in July. I said, don't you know the balloons are bigger in July? The cake is sweeter in July. People got more money in July. Boy, he got so excited. He was so excited, started wiping the tears, opening presents, eating cake. Ask me why. Because he realized he was next. Lord, have mercy. I need you to look at somebody and say, go ahead and get your blessing now. Because I guarantee you, I am next. Everybody that's next, give him some praise. Come on, give him some glory. Give him some praise. Give him some glory. Hallelujah. 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 No matter what's going on in your life, you can win. Because if God be for you, everyone stand with me. If God be for you, what is he? He's more than what? The world against you. If God be for you, he's more than the world against you. I know you're challenged with issues and questions about you in life daily. But Jesus is the answer to all of our needs. Amen. And no matter what mountain or what issue, what climb you're in in life, he has an answer for your situation. All you have to do is put some trust in him and say, God, I believe you. Can I pray real quick? Bishop is going to come and lead you further to Jesus Christ, but I want to invite you, no matter where you are in this room, if you want Jesus Christ, there's no better person or one to go after for the rest of your life, for the totality of life. He loves you beyond you. God is the only one that waits until you die before he judges you. Amen, somebody. He knows everything there is to know about you, and he still gave his best, Jesus Christ, for you. Amen? Say, he loves me beyond me. Say, he looks beyond my faults, and he sees all my need. Bow your heads quickly with me. Is there anyone in here today that says, man of God, I don't know Jesus as Savior. I've been challenged with the difficulties of my life, the climbs I've had to go through, but I don't want to climb any further without Jesus. I don't want to go any higher without Jesus. I don't want to go any further without Jesus. I want to invite you to know Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you want to accept Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, there's no better way than him. If you want to accept Jesus, even those that are watching online, if you want to accept Jesus Christ, just slip your hand in the air now so we can identify who you might be. Amen. If you want to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I want to invite you. Open your hearts. Bishop is going to come now and further invite you to accept the Lord Jesus Christ, even maybe to join this wonderful ministry. But don't spend the rest of your life in indecision. Make a decision, and that is that nobody can do me like Jesus Christ. Clap your hands for Bishop Blake at this side. If you've heard the word of the Lord, if you would accept Jesus Christ, if you would entrust your life to the Lord, repent for your sins and find Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to pray for you. But I need to know that you want Jesus Christ in your life. While every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you hear the word of God this day, calling you to a higher level of living, to accept Jesus as Savior, would you please lift your hand so that I'll know that you desire prayer for salvation. Pray for me, preacher. I want to be saved. 
I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to know that things are well between me and the Lord. Lift that hand. Hold it high. Let me pray. Dear Lord, I pray for every uplifted hand, for every individual in this room who would say, I want to be saved. Forgive their sins. Come into their lives. Let them never, ever again be the same. Bring them to a knowledge of Jesus Christ this very day. Everybody repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord, I'm sorry for all of my sins. Please forgive me for the wrong I've done and the wrong I have been. I want to be saved. I want Jesus to be my Lord. I accept him as my Savior and my Lord. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I thank you, Lord, that he has come into my life. I thank you, Lord. I am saved in the name of Jesus. Thank God. Amen. Clap your hands and give praise. If you lifted your hand and you prayed that prayer, I want to know your name. I want to shake your hand. I want to give you literature that you can read that will help you find the right way that God would have you to live. I want to write you a letter of encouragement. So if you lifted, lifted your hand, or even if you did not lift your hand, but you prayed with me and you're asking Jesus to be your Lord, step into the aisle, come down to the altar. I want to meet you. I want to write you. I want to pray for you this week. I need
about you, but I don't want him to do it without me. How many want to be a part of the glory of what God's going to do next? Whatever he's up to, I want to be a part of it. Anybody else? You know what I sense in this room? I sense that there is a possibility. There is a purpose for every person that is here. There are no accidents in God, only incidents of providence. Amen. It's no accident that I'm here. Amen. This wasn't far advanced planning. Amen. Bishop is just kind and he found that I was in town as well and invited me to be a part because I'm going to speak at another service at three today at 88th Street Church with Pastor Anthony Williams, but he's my leader. I love him and I appreciate the kindness, trusting me with you because you're his precious ones. Amen. So help me say all of this is on purpose. Can I help you? You didn't know I was coming. Guess what? I ain't know you were coming. But God knows everything, Tiny. He knew we would be here, man. So therefore, he has something planned for us. Can I tell you one more thing? If God has a plan for you, watch this. I want you to get happy in the balcony. I need the balcony to really praise God. Ask me why. Ask me why. Hold on. Ask me why. Ask me why, balcony. Because what goes up must come down, right? Hallelujah. Is that right? So understand what God's about to release in our lives, something brand new, something awesome that he wants to prepare for each and every one of us. And so it's no accident again that we're here, but we're here in the presence of God. And I believe he's about to wake some treasures in our lives. Amen. How many are ready for something strong, something powerful? Amen. As we unite today, anything can happen. Say anything can happen in here. Oh my God, that should be a lot of expectation. Anything. That means miracles can happen. Amen. All kinds of breakthroughs, whatever you're suffering from, what are you challenged by, God can set you free. I want to thank uh, certainly your leader again. Do me a favor, take your seats for a moment. Let me do some acknowledgments and deference. But the glory of God is here. And I believe that the eight o'clock crowd, you should praise God for the eight o'clock saints because they prepared the sanctuary for you. Amen? And the glory of God is here. I read this verse this morning because it is exemplary, it's like indicative of someone that we all love. John chapter three, verse two says, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. What an awesome presence. You know how God, you can tell how much God loves you by who he gives you as a leader. That's how you know how much God loves you. And Wes Angeles, trust me, Amen. I've been known to tell. I tell the truth because it saves time, so I'm not brown-nosing. Amen. I don't have to do that. I'm being very honest. Amen. That we have an amazing leader in Bishop Blake. Amen. And just talking about real quick, but I just have to, you know, my dad taught me this. He said, you can't argue with success. 
and for a predominantly black church to have a six point what million dollar debt? Six, what, 60 what million? 68 million dollar debt and now you debt free? Really? Really? Y'all better check the record. You may have made history. Amen. And so the things, the favor that's on this ministry, it is, it is absolutely obvious that God's hand is on the leader and this ministry. Amen. And I say this without equivocation, the future is bright. The future is bright. It's all in God's control and in his hands. I'm thankful to call him my leader. Every time I'm around Bishop Blake, I learn something. I learn something every time I'm around him. He's such a genius. And he's so unassuming because he doesn't pat himself on the back. Amen. I wish you all would send him on a vacation somewhere. I know you have before. He and Lady May, who is just, you know, an awesome woman of God. She gives a great example to my wife and many other women. But send him away so that he can write. I want Bishop, and I told him this privately, so I'm just putting it out there now. I want him to write some more, you know? Because every time he preaches, there's like six or seven sermons that we get out of one sermon that he preaches, right? But I want him to write something about winning in the kingdom. Amen. To show other young pastors and others how to be successful in following God's wisdom and knowledge. How about that, amen? Send him away with a glass of water and a big key lime pie, and he won't come home till he finishes that pie, I promise you. That's his favorite pie, amen? Love you, Bishop Blake. Thank you for the open door, and certainly to the assistant pastor who's doing a great job, Pastor Chuck, amen. Pastor Charles Blake, and certainly his brother, who I'm sure is working right along with him. Uh, Larry, I saw earlier, over to my left, I believe. I love those guys. They're great examples for their dad, and they serve him very, very well, and that's so important. I know their father is their greatest hero like mine was, amen? So I'm thankful to be here again. Love you all, and thank you for your prayers. My son is with me, my youngest son, who heads up our production ministry, our television ministry. You all watch our, te our telecast here? Make some noise. Let me shy now. Come on. Now, here's the only problem. I got a lot of y'all telling me you watch me on TV, but I ain't got one check from y'all yet. Amen. So I need you to try to find out what the cash app is or something. Uh, <laughs> but thank God. Thank God for Bryson. Uh, he's finishing up college at the University of Memphis. My oldest son, Brandon, who finished at Morehouse in 17, and he's an author and all, and just started a business, so he told me he was too busy to come. And my darling wife, Melody, who loves Lady May. Let me tell you, Melody, my wife has a picture of Bishop and Lady May in our bedroom. I got to wake up every morning and look at Bishop Blake. Amen. <laughs> but she loves them just, I'm telling you, she loves them just that much. And we thank God for them. And I dare not try to move that picture. You know that, right? Love them dearly in their hearts, and I know you do too. We pray much for you and all that God is doing for you. Thank you, and to each of you that are here present, to certainly Darren and Judy, they are a great team, amen, for this ministry. Come on, praise God for them. My uh, music director is with us, Jason St. Clair, and also um, you heard about Pastor Sean Calhoun, who's over our, um, our Pastor and Elders Council. God has done much in his life. Grew up in Florida, went through a whole lot in his life, but God saved him real good. He's somebody you want to say, thank God he saved. 
Amen. Because he went through the rough way, but the Lord can change you. Can he do it, somebody? Let's go quickly to the word of the Lord. Thankful again, I have written about eight books or so, and I'll have them at the lobby, and I signed autographs some this morning. I'll do it again. I've written several, several books, but I know they will bless you. I write about things sometimes that people only whisper about, and it will bless you and help you, though. Amen? There's one book entitled, In His Likeness. It talks about developing godly character. I wrote that when my wife had my sons, and they didn't look like me. So I'm like, okay, we need to talk. And God revealed to me that likeness comes over time. So the more time you spend with God, watch this, the more you look like God. Is that right? Let's go to the word. Will you pray for me this morning? Normally I take a nonstop flight, but we had a leadership conference. I had to take one of those longer flights to Minneapolis. And apparently they had meat on the plane that they were trying to keep because it was ice cold on the flight. But pray my strength. Amen. Let's go to the book of Genesis quickly if we could. Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. I preach three times on Sunday, and I usually do the same message, and I'll preach what I did at 8 o'clock. The thing about it is it's chicken, but it was baked chicken at 8. It's going to be uh, barbecued today. Amen. And if I were to preach a third time, it'd be smothered and fried. But it's still chicken, I promise you. <laughs> Good to see my friend Arnie here as well. Love you, Arnie. Let's go to Genesis chapter 22. Read along with us if you could, verses 6 through 8. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. Verse 7. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Where's the sacrifice? Verse 8. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. See, there's some things God's going to do. You don't have to do it. He's going to provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them how? They went both of them how? They went both of them how? Together. Father, give you thanks and pray you cause increase and receive this truth and a touch by it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can I tell you there's some things in life that we're trying to find solutions and answers to, but they only come as we continue. Consistency is everything. Say that consistency is everything. And that's what this message is about today. It's not losing hope, but holding fast to that which is good, being consistent in what God told you the first time. And not wavering, not throwing in the towel, but believing him. Amen? As you continue to do his will. I want to talk for a few moments from the thought, answers in the climb. Say that, answers in the climb. There are two kinds of people in the world, those that believe and those that don't believe. Say that, those that believe and those that don't believe. And the results are apparent based on the association. So if you believe that certain things are going to happen in your life, and if you don't believe, then certain things, of course, will not happen in your life, right? It is different out here in the real world of life because most of the good things that are given in life are given to those who don't give up. All of us have to have what we call stick the ability to stick and stay. Nudge somebody and say, hang on in there. Tell them, hang on in there. 
A friend of mine by the name of Chris Lucci uh, out of Atlanta, he's a sports agent. He came to our church just to do a little power talk to some of our young people. And was talking to them about athletics and basketball. And he said, basketball is about confidence. Somebody help me say confidence. He said it's about confidence. And I believe that confidence is the act of believing, here it is, that gets you more time in the game. Say that, the act of believing that gets you more time in the game. And that's what life is about. It's about you believing in yourself as well. I know we believe in our God, but the Bible says, let a man not think more highly of himself. He didn't say don't think highly, but don't think more highly, right? In other words, be real, but also be optimistic. You should have a good opinion of yourself. You shouldn't have to wait on other people to tell you you look good. Hello? When I got up this morning, and though I was tired and worn all out, but when I got through washing and carrying on and fixing my, what's left of my hair, I said, boy, you look all right. So I don't need you to tell me I look good. This ain't no accident. This is on purpose. Amen, somebody, right? So you have to compliment yourself sometime. Look at your neighbors and compliment yourself. Amen. If you have a good feeling about you, then watch this. You'll have good feelings about other people as well. Amen, church. So most of the success stories in life have come through the time that we spend in the climb. People aren't successful overnight. Don't buy into that. It takes work, work ethic, amen, and sacrifices to win in life. The only thing is when you're really good at it, like Bishop Blake and others, you make it look easy. Hello, talk to me. You make it look easy. Mama makes it look easy when she cooks because she doesn't read any cooking, uh, whatever you call it, recipes and stuff. She knows how much to put in it just by the weight of it in her hand. She makes it look easy, but it came over time. Somebody shout time. Help me say process. So you have to spend time in the process. If there is no process, watch this, there is no success. Are you with me? Luke 17 verses 11 through 14 says, and it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Verse 12, and as he entered into a certain village, there met him 10 men that were lepers. That was a, an incurable contagious disease that left you disfigured and so it wasn't as deadly as it was disfiguring which stood afar off and they had to stand afar off because the law said you couldn't come in certain distances from the people because of your disease you lived in a leper colony so notice what they had to do and they lifted up their voices and said Jesus master have mercy on us see some conditions you're in you may have to be a little louder than somebody else look at your neighbor and say you don't know why I'm this loud don't you let anybody rain on your praise parade because you know what you got to do to get what you need from God. Touch your neighbor and tell them, I may have to make some noise today. See, some of us in here trying to catch something. I don't know about you. I'm trying to catch something. Are you hearing me? And anybody fishes? Who fishes? Anybody fishing here? Y'all got any fish in California? There are two things that fish are attracted to, blood and noise. Ask the shark, amen, somebody. Blood and noise. And so sometimes you just got to make some noise if you're going to get Jesus' attention. We got any noisy folk in here this morning? 
We need some noisy faith. Amen, somebody. And the Bible said after they made noise, when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priests. Here it is. And as it came to pass, as they went, they were cleansed. You get it? See, sometimes you just got to start moving. If you want the job, just go fill out the application. You got to start moving. You can't be sitting back telling me, I'm waiting on the Lord. The Lord said, I'm waiting on you to get up. You got to start walking towards what you want. Help me say, keep climbing. <clears throat> Turn to somebody and tell them, keep climbing. Don't let anything in life stop you from pursuing the possibilities that God has for you. Don't hold your failure as an excuse. Learn from it. I was in London and a few times I've been and a newspaper interviewed me and they said, can you tell us, Pastor Porter, about your failures? I said, I've not had any. They said, you mean to tell us you've not had any failures? I said, no, all I've had are experiences that taught me how to do it differently. Amen, somebody. Look at your neighbors and learn from that situation. God's best is still in the process. Notice, he tells the 10 lepers, he said, go and show. That's all he gave them was a word of faith. Start moving. You want to be healed? Act like it. Go and show yourself to the priest, which is like the, the doctor, the physician. And that's what happened. As they went, they were healed. As you step out in faith, as you begin to pay your tithe and release seed in the kingdom, God will make a way out of no way. I need you to touch one more person and tell them you got to do something. Quit talking about it and do something about it. Amen. Talk is cheap unless it's long distance. Say amen, somebody. You've got to do something about it. The scripture says again, as they went, they were healed. Therefore, obedience becomes the prerequisite to progress. Obedience becomes, y'all listening to me? The prerequisite to progress. All right? Then he told me this was the crowd that takes notes. Y'all taking notes? I don't see nobody taking notes. All right. The scripture says, as they went, they were healed. So obedience become the prerequisite to progress. And then we look at like the hidden treasures that happen around, the many hidden treasures that have been pushed through the crust of life, like flowers. Imagine the flower, what the flower has to go through to come up looking good. The flower is pushed, submerged in the earth, and then dirt is packed on top of it with fertilizer and other stinky stuff, right? And then people are stepping on it, patting on it, and so on and so forth. The flower, the seed is planted in the earth. But then as it begins to grow, it even has to die and all of that. But it, it begins to push its way through the earth, right? To come out smelling like a rose. Can I tell you something? Some of you in here don't look like what you've been through. Can I get a witness? Who are you in here? You don't look like what you've been through. Can I talk to you? What killed others, you're still living with it. Somebody lift your hand and say, Lord, I just want to thank you. You can't even tell with me. Let me help you some. Let me testify. Can I testify while I have a chance? In January the 11th, I had a stroke. I know you can't tell it. You can't, you can't look at me and tell it because God is just that good. I didn't even know I was having a stroke. I was swimming and in the gym working out. Amen. Went to lunch with a friend and, and he said, Bishop, something's wrong. I said, what? He says, your mouth is twisted. I said, shut up, boy. You don't know what you're talking about. Eat that hamburger. We just kept on eating. My wife's a nurse, so when I went home, she said, oh, no, get in the car right now. We're going to the hospital. Found out I had a massive stroke. Blood pressure was 200 over 200 and something. 
And the doctor said I was threatening a 300% chance of a major stroke and I wouldn't survive. He said 10 other people in the hospital with the same condition. He's trying to talk me into staying because I wanted to leave. He said 10 other people came with the same condition. They don't know who they are, but you're able to move around. Let us help you. Amen, somebody. Look at your name and say, I don't look like what I've been through. You don't know what people have gone through in here, but help me say, but God. You got a reason right now to tell him thank you. Somebody tell him thank you right now. If you know he's been good to you, don't let me praise him by myself. Hallelujah. And since that time, young, I'm 60 now. I know I look 49, but don't hurt me. I'm 60 now, but I've had friends that are in their 50s or 40s that have died from strokes this year. And I'm still here. Hallelujah. Well, I know CNN and these other networks, Fox got their own breaking news, but I got some breaking news. My breaking news is I'm still here. Look at somebody and say, the breaking news is I'm still here. Oh, yes, I'm still here. So notice here the challenge you push through in life. You got to understand glory comes after this. That's what I love about God. Oh, my gracious delight. If he has a plan for you, he also has a plan for your enemy. Don't you ever think that whoever's been lying on you getting by, amen. If God has a plan for you, keep your hands clean because he's going to deal with them too. If God says I have to win, guess what? He's got to stop who's ever been trying to stop me from winning. Can I get a witness in here? He's got you covered in other words. Well, Abraham had a very interesting life, and he's our main character today. Abraham and Sarah, he was married to a beautiful girl. I said in 8 o'clock service, she was good-looking like Lady Mae Blake. So good-looking that Abraham was afraid that his life would be taken by somebody else to get his wife. Does Bishop look nervous? Amen, somebody, right? <laughs> but she was so beautiful, right? But however, the one thing they wanted they couldn't have, and that was a child. For 40 plus years, they've been trying to have a child and could not. But God gave a word of encouragement to them. While she was 65 and he was 75, God spoke to them and let them know through a messenger that you're going to have a child. And so Sarah's like, look, that ain't even possible. I ain't believing no more. Don't nobody shout on this. I am not going that way. She said, Abraham, you old and I'm barren. The kitchen is closed and you might as well eat out. Amen, somebody. She says, <laughs> she says, I have an Egyptian maiden, you know, who's got hips, lips, and fingertips. Amen, somebody. And I'll let you marry her. Some kind of way, Abraham acquiesced. He agreed. I don't know what she did to convince him, right? That you can marry this girl, Hagar, and have a child by her. And so what she does is interrupts the process. You got to be patient with what God's doing in your life. I need the balcony to say, be patient. You have to be patient with what God is going to do next in your life. Amen, somebody. Because the process is essential. And so God is telling them to wait in the trust. I don't believe it would have taken them 25 years to have a child. The only reason it took so long is because they were not doing what he told them. They weren't walking in obedience. They were walking in fear, right? So he takes this other maid. Her name is Hagar, and he marries her, 
and he has a child by her by the name of Ishmael. And so here Ishmael grows up in the house and still they're believing God in some sort of way because they had a child. And it was not immaculate conception. He, she was not a virgin, right? So they had to get together and have some what we call fellowship. Can I get a witness in here? Well, my old ladies that even had some fellowship. Say amen, somebody, right? And so they also began to bear a child. His name is Isaac. He was born. But two ladies in the kitchen, Abraham, had to separate the wives. Amen. But God said, I'm still going to take care of them. That's why we have the trouble in the Middle East today. It is between the relation of Isaac and Ishmael. Those cousins are fighting over there today. Amen. And so it was the first case of surrogate parenting. And so here the Bible lets us know that now they have the promised child, which is Isaac. His name means laughter. I guess he's 100, she's 90. They look at each other and say, this has got to be too funny. So they're going to name the baby Isaac, right? They have this little bouncing baby boy, and God blesses their prayers and their efforts. How many got your prayers answered before, right? But then this happens. God says, I want you to give up your only son. Amen, somebody. Let me tell you something. First of all, Abraham had a habit of obeying God. When you look at Genesis, I believe, chapter 12, verse 1, it says, he says, get thee out of thy country from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land I will show thee. He's obeying God. Abraham would trust God when he couldn't trace God. See, faith is not what you see. Help me. It's what you believe. Say that faith is not about what I see. It's about what I believe. And he told Abraham, he said, I want you to leave your kindred, leave your family, and I want you to go to a place I will show you, and I'll make your name great, right? So the Bible says that he took with him in verse 4, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. Now here's the problem. Lot was his nephew. God said, leave all your family, but he took Lot with him. That's a whole nother sermon. Because some people don't know how to handle a lot. Amen, somebody. Look at your neighbor and say, sometimes you can be a lot. How many of y'all got some family that can be a lot sometimes? Oh, Lord Jesus, help me pray for me right now. My mother is 92 and my sister and my mother both can be a lot sometimes. Praise God. But I love them to life. Amen. So God has to give you some wisdom on how to handle a lot. Can I get a witness in here? And sometimes it's not until a lot leaves you that God shows you what you really got because he wants you to know he did it and not a lot did it. Say amen, somebody. So the Bible says that now he's challenging Abraham to sacrifice his only son. He says only because that's the son that I promised you. He's sacrificing now, it has to at least, Isaac. Can you imagine giving up, letting go, of something you've waited a hundred years to get? Can you imagine something you prayed and fasted for and God said, I want you to sacrifice it? See, what that is is about is because God doesn't want things or people and others to be more important to us than he is. Look at your neighbor and say, whatever blessings you're enjoying, you have to be able to give them up. Nothing should be more important than your God. Nothing should be more important than your God. Not your success, not your career, not your, your boo. Amen, somebody. Nothing and nobody should be more important than God. So Abraham says, yes, Lord. 
He gets up in the wee hours of the morning, slips out of the tent, did not tell his wife because, you know, it would have been some uh, housewives drama there, right? He slips out the house, gets with his servants, <clears throat> saddle the asses. They head toward the mountain that God says, I'm going to show you. And he goes there and he gets to the bottom of the mountain that they are to climb now because some of the journey is a climb. See, answers in the climb. See, as you go, God talks to you. Talk to me, somebody. As you continue in God, amen, as you pursue God, he unveils and reveals things to you. Let me help you. Revelation is not something you go after. Let me help you. Revelation is something that comes after you. Amen, somebody. Revelation is something that comes after you. It's not something you concocted. It is something that God reveals. So here he is at the bottom of the mountain, and he tells his servants, listen to this statement of faith. He said, me and my son will be back. God just told him to take him and sacrifice him. But he's calling those things that be not as though they were. So your problem is you don't know how to talk. You keep saying, I don't think I'm going to make it. They're not going to hire me. Nobody's going to marry me. No, ain't nobody going to marry you talking like that. Nobody's going to hire you talking like that. You got to have what I tell you a moment ago, confidence. You got to believe who God says you are and believe who your God is himself. Somebody shout hallelujah. So he's at the bottom of the mountain and he says, hey, listen. He said, listen, uh, guys, me and my son will be back. But God just told him to kill him. But he says, me and my son are going to be back. That's faith. And you got to talk faith every now and then. Someone asks you, how you doing? Say, oh, wonderful. I'm blessed. God is good. I'm expecting the most. Amen? Not negative. I hate being around negative people. Right? Don't ever get in the car with somebody that says, I don't know if I'm going to live. Well, I ain't riding with you. Right? Let's call the nearest Uber. Say amen, somebody. So here it is now. So here it is now. He's about to climb the mountain with his son. His son is not an infant, so he's not in a in a, uh, a little backpack or something, he's able to walk and move around. His son has been to church before, so he knows what church is. How many of y'all know what church is? His son understood sacrifices, right? So as they get ready to climb this mountain, go to Moriah here, and so he's with his son. I wish I had an Isaac. Where's Isaac? I got an Isaac today? Give me an Isaac right quick. Lord Jesus, this is Hollywood. I got an Isaac coming. Look at here. Come on, Larry, you walking like Abraham. Hurry up, get Isaac down here. <laughs> so here he's got, he's got little Isaac coming. Come here, Isaac. He's got Isaac with him here. We're going to climb the mountain, Isaac. We didn't have a rehearsal, so y'all be patient. We're going to climb the mountain, right? I'm going to take you to the mountain, and I'm going to kill you. All right? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, you going to do what? We got to take you out, son. That's just what's up. God said, just go ahead and slay you at the altar. You know, whenever I go to church, I got to have something, right, to kill, all right? So you're going to climb the mountain. And let me tell you something. Every step you take in life, you got to wait on God to talk to you. Look at somebody and say, I'm going to get my answer in the climb. And so he's climbing the mountain. But notice, his son Isaac, the Bible says he saw the fire and the wood, but he didn't see the sacrifice. Pull on my coat. And say, Daddy, where is the sacrifice? Daddy, where is the sacrifice? You got to talk like a little more excited because you're about to be it if you don't hurry up. What? Daddy, where is the sacrifice? He said, where is the sacrifice? So he's climbing. But you know what? Let me tell you something. Children can ask you some startling questions. 
Can I get a witness in here? Like, mommy, how are we going to make it? How am I going to go to college? How am I going to pay tuition? How am I going to get to school? They're going to ask you all kinds of questions about things that are going on in your life. But you got to have an answer like Abraham did. Notice what he said. He didn't tell him, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> he didn't say, you're the sacrifice. He said, son, God will provide. In other words, he's who? Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And when you look at the word pro, watch this. The word pro, the, the prefix pro suggests it's already done. You don't understand what I'm saying to you. Whenever God, if God is a provider, he's already done what you need. It's provision. Look at somebody say he is a provider. Meaning whatever you're getting ready to pray for, it's already done. I wish you could get excited about what's already done. Somebody shout whatever you need is already done. So here it is now. Little Isaac is standing. But what I admire about Isaac, not only here, by the way, his name is Blake. <laughs> but not only here, but I admire the fact that Isaac in Scripture was attentive to his daddy like he is now. He wasn't running away because he's strong enough to run away. And I couldn't catch him. You got me? But here he is standing there. What does he have? Faith in his daddy's God. Y'all got fathers of men's day coming up. Well, men, your sons got to have faith in your God. Not in your drugs. Not in your alcohol. Not in your pornography. But they need faith in your God. Somebody shout hallelujah. That's why we acclaim that we trust the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Look at somebody say, granddaddy's God still works. Grandmama's God still works. And so what he did, he got him there on the altar. Now see, on the altar, because Isaac has been to church before. Have you been to church before? You have? Isaac has been to church. I'm glad you have. That would have messed my whole sermon up. Isaac has been to church before. So he knew that whenever daddy went to church, the sacrifice would lay on the altar. So what his daddy does is says, lay down, son. Wow, he's obedient. Look at him. Trust in his daddy. But the Bible says that he wasn't going to kill him by stomping on him. He had a knife. Come on, Bryson, bring my knife. My God, y'all, what kind of church is this? Lord have mercy. We can't mess with y'all around here. This security is something else in this church. Well, he got ready to kill his son. He's crying because he loves his son. He looks just like him. Lord have mercy. And sometimes you got to know that God's going to challenge you to do what you don't want to do. Look at somebody and say, I didn't feel like coming to church, but I came anyway. May not have felt like doing what I did, but I did it anyway. Because to God be the glory. He pulls out the knife. He says, I got to obey God. You ain't going to never forget this story. He says, I got to obey God. And he gets ready to kill his son. And he pulls back the knife. And God said, Abraham. Abraham. He called him twice. He said, spare your son. I need you to touch somebody and say, let him call you twice. Let him call you twice. Now, why does he call you twice? Because he's trying to get your attention. He said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, Isaac, Isaac. He said, Martha, Martha. 
He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He said, Israel, Israel. Jesus hanging on the cross said, my God, my God. I need you to touch somebody and say, hush. Tell them, hush. Somebody is calling my name. Come on and tell your neighbor, somebody's calling my name. Tell them, God is calling my name. You gone, your life has been spared. Amen, somebody. Now watch this. So he tells him before he kills his son, he stops him because he said, I didn't want you to kill your son. I just wanted you to show me your faith. That's what you got to know is that God's not trying to take you out. He's trying to pick you up. Amen, somebody. He said, look over there. Ask me what's over there. There's a ram in the bush. In other words, there's an offering because God's going to provide himself a ram. Amen, somebody. Will you look at somebody and say, God's going to bring the next miracle. God's going to provide what you need. Tell them God has the answer to your prayer. Hallelujah, somebody. He said, look over there. I want you to do me a favor. Look over there. I don't care how dark it looks. Look over there. Before you file bankruptcy, look over there. Before you go to the divorce court, look over there. Before you give up on your profession, look over there. Before you walk away your church, look over there. Touch somebody and say, don't give up. Look over there. Ask me why somebody. There is an answer to your need. Somebody shout hallelujah. He said, there's a ram in the bush. Glory to God. That's exactly what you need. Now, here's what blesses me. How did the ram get there? The same way your miracle got there. God put it there. Shout amen, somebody. Can I help you? While Abraham and Isaac were climbing one side of the mountain, the ram was climbing the other side. Help me say, I got to keep climbing because I'm going to meet my miracle at the top. Somebody said, I got to keep climbing because I'm going to meet my miracle at the top. Can I tell you something? Your miracle is older than you. Look at somebody and tell them your miracle. Tell them the very thing you need is older than you. I told you it's provision. It's something already done. The ram was older than Isaac. What God has for you is already done. It's provision. It's already prepared. It's already done. It's older than you. Your miracle was here before you got here. The way was here before you got here. The blessing was here before you got here. My healing was there before I had the stroke. Look at somebody say, God is already there. Ah, yeah. Tell them God is already making a way. Tell your neighbor God is already opening the door. Shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. I need you to encourage your neighbor. Get him by the hand. Come on, get him by the hand. Come on, get your neighbor by the hand. Get him. Y'all got to get him by the hand. Come on, wake him up. Come on, shake that neighbor. Shake that neighbor. Rock that neighbor. Come on, shake that neighbor. Rock that neighbor. Shake that neighbor. Rock him and shake him. Tell your neighbor. Say, neighbor, whatever you need is in the word of God. Tell him whatever you need, God's already got it. Somebody give him praise in here.
Can I tell you? Can I tell you a story? After I had my sons, I got a whole lot of stories for my sermons. <clears throat> and years ago, I took my boys to the movies. Now, you know, Church of God in Christ be kind of hard on you for stuff like that. But it was a children's film, you know what I'm saying? And so I wanted to do two things. I wanted to spend some time with my boys and take a nap. I figured I could do both of those in the movies. But when I got to the movies, Bishop, for this children's film, and I'm sitting there, and, and after a while, that thing got good to me. I told my son, I said, y'all hold on, I'm gonna go get me a hot dog and some popcorn and pop too. I went to get me something to drink and to eat, came right back, sat down, anxious to see the rest of this. And so, man, I got so into the movie, before I knew it, I yelled out at the main character who was about to get hit by something. I said, watch it! My youngest son said, Daddy, Bryson, the one's here, he said, Daddy, stop that, you're embarrassing us, don't do that. I said, boy, leave me alone, let me enjoy the movie. I kept eating my popcorn and watching the movie. And then I screamed out again because he was about to get shot by, I said, watch it! My oldest son said, you got to cut all this out now, Daddy, you got to stop all this. The man is not going to get hurt. He's not going to die. I said, what are you talking about he's not going to die? He said, he's not going to die. I said, how do y'all know? Both of them said, we already read the book. I need you to tell your neighbor, hey, neighbor. Tell your neighbor, hey, neighbor. Your problem is you didn't read the book because in the end, we win. Ah, yeah. Come on, tell somebody in the end, we're gonna win. Ah, yeah. Oh, yes, oh, yes. Hallelujah, somebody. I need you to go tell three people we win in the end. Tell them we win in the end. That's why you ought to shout. That's why you ought to praise him. That's why you ought to give him glory. Because in the end, we win. Somebody shout hallelujah. I want every person to stand with me quickly. Stand with me. Stand with me. Stand with me. I'm going to pray for you. When I finish here, I'll go out and autograph some books, but stand with me. Let me tell you this. I'm so tired of seeing people fail right in the church. Not accomplish what God has for them. What God has for you is for you. Don't be intimidated by anybody else's success. Look at your neighbor and say, whatever he's done for others, he can do for you. Just keep believing. Keep trusting him. Amen, somebody? And put him first in your life. I want to challenge you right now. I told you earlier that you're not here by accident. Somebody in here today is going to have life transformation. You've been climbing. You've been struggling. Now here you're singing that song, I'm climbing up the rough side of the mountain. Well, guess what? You can't climb no other side. The smooth side, you'll slide right down. So sometimes you got to have some rough places so you have something to pull up on. It builds you up. Amen, somebody. Don't make me take this off so you can see what I got going on. Amen. Right? Rough things build you up. It gives you something, right, that makes you better. Sometimes stress is good for you, as long as you handle it, right? When God gives you an answer, here's what happens in mathematics. Notice what's called a problem in mathematics. 
It is something that has not been given an answer. It's a problem as long as there's no answer. Once there's an answer, it's no longer a problem. It has been solved. Can I tell you something? Jesus is your answer. Okay? Whatever you're going through, I want to invite you. I don't want you to be ashamed of him because he loves you in spite of you. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. When you were a mess and you know you were tore up from the floor, amen, somebody. You were on the edge of night in your secret storm searching for tomorrow and he still delivered you. Here you are in a place now that is heavenly. God's purpose is for you to hear this word today and for you to step out on faith. I want you to climb from the balcony down here. I want you to come this way. If you know I'm ready for change, I'm ready to get my answer from Jesus Christ on how to make life better. He has an answer for you. I want to invite you to him quickly. I want you to come quickly. Hurry up. I need something from Jesus, preacher, and I'm not ashamed to say it. Come on, wherever you are. Come on, come on. I want to pray real quickly for you. It's not going to take a long time. Hurry up. Hurry up from where you are. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, thank you, sweetheart. Come on from where you are. If you're standing next to someone that needs Jesus, tell them I'll go down with you if you want to come. Thank you all. Heaven is rejoicing right now because of you. Heaven is rejoicing right now because of you. Heaven is rejoicing. Come on from wherever you are. Come on, come on, come on. There are answers on your way. He's going to resolve some things in your life. You're going to smile again. You're going to find joy again. Amen. You're going to get your peace back again. I'm waiting. There's about 13 of us. Come on, quickly, hurry. If you're in the balcony, come on down. Let me whisper a prayer for you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on. There are answers as you come. Y'all not clapping your hands enough. Come on, clap your hands for them as they come. Come on, do that better. Clap your hands for them. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. Keep coming. Where are you? Come on. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, come on, come on. Come on. Yes. Come on, clap some more. Hurry up. Can I tell you? Can I tell you something? Satan is real nervous because he was banking on you not believing God. Oh, he's out there pacing outside right now. He's walking all up and down. What is that, Crenshaw out there? Saying, man, I can't believe they standing down there at that altar because God's getting ready to do something to transform your life. You love Jesus? I know you do because you're here, amen? How many have expectation? Expectation. Are you looking for something? Help me say better is on the way. There's something Bishop Blake says. It's his signature. I see you in the future. Have you heard him say it? And you look much better than you look right now. That's some wonderful stuff, right? I think people are saying that in all kind of languages around the world. I see you in the future and you look much better than you're looking right now. Anyone else? Who else? Someone else is coming? Thank you. Come right on. Come right on. Come right on. Let me pray. I want to tell you something. It's not hard to get what God has for you. Ask me why. It's a gift. You don't work for it. It's not how high you jump. It's just opening your heart. 
If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you can be saved. It's just that simple. All right? All he wants to hear you say is that you believe who he is. Do you believe Jesus Christ died for your sins? You believe he is the son of God? You believe that? You believe that if you pray to him right now, he'll hear your prayer? Do you believe that? Well, that's what it takes. That's all it takes, okay? If you believe that, he'll fix the brokenness in your life, whatever that is, my brother. Whatever you have dealt with that's difficult, he's got the strength to bear the burden of it. I want you to know that. And can I tell you something else? It doesn't matter how much wrong you've done. His blood can cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Help me say my life is not beyond repair. I don't care what you've done. He can cleanse you. I don't care what you've done. He can forgive you. I don't care what you, I don't care what has happened in your life. You just saw on television recently. I don't care if you are a murderer. Jesus still loves you. Come on, church people. You can be forgiven. People may not forgive you, but as long as he does, get it right with him, right? I want you to lift your hands. This is a stick up. This is a stick up. Act like I'm the police. Lift your hand. Come on. It's a stick up. That's right. You're saying to me, I surrender it. Whatever it is, whatever it is that's hindering me from being who God says I can be, I surrender it. All right? That's why your hands are raised now. You're saying, I let it go. Your hands are also like antennas to heaven. It's giving you good reception right now. There's no dropout here, right? There's a lot of, there's good receptivity in this room. Amen? Close your eyes with me if you don't mind. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Lord Jesus, you know me more than anyone. And you know my heart. You know I didn't just come down here just to be coming. I really need you in my life. And I thank you, Lord, for allowing me to hear this message today. And I ask God that you'll forgive me of all of my sins. I've made mistakes. I've done things that I'm ashamed of, but you've never stopped loving me. That's why I come to you, because greater love have no man than this, that a man die for you. You died for me, Jesus, so I trust you with the rest of my life, and I thank you that my life is going to be better, that all of my sins at this very moment, say it, at this very moment, are washed away, and I claim salvation and deliverance in the name of the Lord. Now what I want you to do for me real quick, just simply say thank you, Jesus. It's done just like that. Come on, say thank you, Jesus. It's done, it's done just like that. You are forgiven, you hear me? You are forgiven. Do me a favor, turn to somebody and say, you look so much better, tell them, you look so much better. You got all that sin off of you, you look so much better. Amen. You got yesterday is gone. Now you got something brand new called your future in Jesus Christ. Clap your hands for these wonderful people. Bishop is going to come. Stand here if you would. Let Bishop speak over your life. And the reason I did that is because of his leadership. Amen. I've never seen him in a service where he didn't invite people to Jesus Christ. Come on, praise God for Bishop Lee. Clap your hands for the preacher. Every sin you've ever committed is forgiven. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven. The Lord is pleased with what you've done on this day, and he extends to you his mercy.
and his companionship for the rest of your life. If you want him in your life, he will never leave you nor forsake you. Once you've accepted Jesus, then you began to grow in those things that he would share with you and that he would input into your life. You began to develop into a mature Christian. You began to know more about God's word and about God's power. And you began to reach out and bless others also. I'm so happy that you've come forward. I'm so happy that you've accepted Jesus. Now it's time to grow. I'm growing, and this church, all of our members would love to grow with you and see you become the person that God would have you to be. I hope you'll join us and be a part of our fellowship. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and that he died for you, then you can become the part of the fellowship of believers who follow and who live for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to send you a letter. I want to give you literature today. I want your name on my prayer list. I hope you'll become a part of our fellowship of believers here in this place. So I'm going to send you to our prayer room. Our personal workers are going to get your name and your address. I'll be writing you this week, encouraging you in the walk that the Lord has given you on this day. They'll give you literature. They will share with you, and you'll be blessed. Everyone turn toward your right, please. Raise your hand, personal worker. There he is right there. I want you to follow him to the prayer room. Follow him. Follow him. Let's clap our hands and praise God for them as they go. Clap your hands and praise God for each and every one of them. God bless you. Nobody is leaving. Please do not exit. It's time for us to give and share with the work of the Lord. Please be seated. Let's praise God for the man of God. Let's praise God for the preacher. The Lord said to the church at Philippi, you have supported me, provided for me, but other churches forgot about me. You were a blessing to me. And he complimented that church. The apostle Paul complimented that church for their support, for their generosity. And then he said unto him, he is able to supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Jesus Christ. And the Lord gives our, uses our giving, our sharing, our faith as a vehicle of blessing into our lives because he said, give, and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. And it's time for the people of the Lord whom the Lord has blessed, all the blessed folk, wave at me, 